The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is the one who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he told him, A man was giving a large banquet and invited many. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who were invited, Come, because everything is now ready. But without exception, they all began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. I ask you to excuse me. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. I ask you to excuse me. And another said, I just got married, and therefore I'm unable to come. So the servant came back and reported these things to his master. Then in anger, the master of the house told his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the city and bring in here the poor, maimed, blind, and lame. Master, the servant said, what you ordered has been done and there is still room. Then the master told the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and make them come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, not one of those people who were invited will enjoy my banquet. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning. For those who are visiting, my name's Paul. I'm the senior pastor here. It's, it's an honor and joy to worship with you today. I, I need to be honest, I don't know how I follow that kid's song. We need to rearrange our liturgy next year because they did a fantastic job. Amen? Amen. Can we give another round of applause for all the investment by the, the leaders, Molly and Cody and others? Um, We're all in for our kids and students. Whether we have our own kids and students, we're all in for kids and students ministry. We we had a phrase when we launched the church, uh, kind of a a saying, we're a church plant for kids with activities for adults. And uh, it just showed our emphasis on kids ministry and what a great investment. So thanks for being a part of that. Before we dive into today's parable, would you bow your heads with me as I begin with a brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title of today's message is Prioritize the Invitation. And I'd like to begin by asking everyone this question. Have you ever witnessed an outsider become an insider? Or better yet, have you ever witnessed the joy of an outsider becoming an insider? As captured by journalist Caitlin O'Kane, fans attending a Milwaukee Bucks basketball game may be greeted by Hunter Peterson, a member of the Hoop Troop, the hype team that gets the crowd amped up. Pictured here... Peterson, who has Down syndrome, is a decorated member of the NBA team, even though he's not a player on the team. Quote, Hunter had seen an ad on the television news that they were auditioning dancers for a new team for the Milwaukee Bucks, and Hunter wanted to try out for it, his dad, Craig Peterson, told CBS News. So we went and tried out, and I don't think he felt that comfortable because of the many dancers there were professional dancers. Consequently, Mr. Peterson reached out to Alex Lassery, the team's co-owner via social media, 
and asked if they ever thought about adding someone with special needs to their performance teams. And the next thing I know, Hunter's dad said, Alex sends a note back that says, we're gonna make this happen. Since joining the team about three years ago, the article continues, Hunter's made an impact on many, including one of the players, Giannis. Yeah, Jack got it, Giannis. Antetokounmpo, also known as the Greek freak. He singled Hunter out and walked over to the sidelines, gave him his game-worn shoes at one point, and that was just the coolest thing the dad said. And when the Bucks won the NBA championship in 2021, they had to honor, listen to this, their biggest cheerleader with a championship ring. Fans may look up to players on the court, the article continues, but Hunter is a hero on the sideline. I believe Hunter is probably the only person with Down syndrome who works in a performance team in the NBA, his dad reflects. And we'd like to see more of that. You know, it'd be nice to see more folks with special needs included in pro sports. And as you can see on the screen behind me, here's one more picture of Hunter with, yes, his hero, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Just look at their smiles. Again, have you ever witnessed an outsider become an insider? Or the joy of an outsider becoming an insider? This morning, we're gonna read about an invitation offered to every single person in this room or joining us online. Young or old, native born or foreign born, educated or uneducated, it's an invitation to each one of us to move from being an outsider to being an insider in God's family. Moreover, it's an invitation with deep historical roots that we'll look at, and it's an invitation that we won't wanna miss. So with that introduction, here's the big idea we're gonna see and unpack from Luke 14 today. Friends, above all else, prioritize the invitation of Jesus and prepare to let the outcast in. Above all else, prioritize the invitation of Jesus and prepare to let the outcast or stranger in. So let's dive into God's word together. Point one, above all else, friends, prioritize the invitation of Jesus. Our passage begins when one of those who reclined at the table heard what he had said, these things. He said to him, blessed is the one who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then he, Jesus, told him, A man was giving a large banquet and invited many. At the time of the banquet, he sent a servant to those who were invited. Come, because everything's ready. But without exception, they all began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I bought a field. I must go and see it. I ask you to excuse me. The second said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to go try them out. I ask you to excuse me. And another said, I just got married. Therefore, I'm unable to come. So the servant came back and reported these things to his master. So allow me to set the scene today for our passage. A couple of months ago in early May, we actually looked at the verses preceding today's passage, where a high-level Pharisee or a religious leader amongst the Jewish people in those days had invited Jesus over for a Sabbath meal to trap Jesus. I don't know if you remember 
us talking about this. Specifically, the religious leader, this Pharisee, and his legalistic friends had baited Jesus into healing on the Sabbath, which was a big no-no, illegal in their interpretation of the law, by placing a very sick man right in front of Jesus, someone who historians believe suffered with a deadly disease, disease called dropsy. They placed this man right in front of Jesus to see what Jesus would do. So that's what we looked at. So how did Jesus respond? Well, looking at their hearts in the trap, Jesus healed the man right in front of everybody. And then he called out the hypocrisy of these leaders. Moreover, he called out their pattern of self-aggrandizement, their self-promotion, how they loved to use people instead of love people, and also dismiss the poor. He called them out. Thus, as we turn our attention to verse 15, the scene, Melissa, is tense. The air is thick with anger and angst. Jesus is still a guest at the party of this Pharisee, yet these religious leaders are furious. So that's the setting, that's the scene. And it's here in the midst of this conflict that one of the leaders speaks up and says, blessed is the one who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. This man had to be a nine on the Enneagram. If some of you study the Enneagram, the peacekeeper in the bunch, because he tried to deflect Jesus's challenge here using some Hebrew slang. He more or less said, guys, Jesus, chill. Let's chill. We're all family here, right? That's what theologians seriously tell us. The guy tried to deflect the challenge. Jesus, just cool your jets. So did it work? Well, not exactly. Jesus instead responds by doing what? Sharing another parable or story with a heavenly meeting. A man was throwing a large feast, Jesus says, and invited a ton of people to the party. In fact, two invites were sent out. First, the announcement was sent out requiring an RSVP. We know these, an RSVP. This would have been customary during those days and it goes all the way back to the book of Esther. Next, the servant of the master was sent out to announce the day of the party, the arrival of the banquet. And yet here's where the story takes a turn according to Jesus. The guests, the privileged wealthy guests at that do the unexpected. They do something unheard of. And what is that? They skip the feast. Each guest, all of them we read, make an excuse as to why they can't attend. The first says, hey, I bought a field. I need to go visit that field. The second says, I bought five oxen. I need to go check out my oxen. The third says, hey, I just got married. I need to attend to my bride. And now, now allow me to pause here and say, are any of these excuses bad excuses on the surface. They're not. You know, one has to deal with uh, possessions, the other property, and the other a primary relationship, your, your marriage. So why does the host end up getting upset in the parable? Well, here's why. First, given all the preparations that would have gone into making that day special, preparing the meats, preparing the wine, Preparing the servants, as Katie Hyman, our director of uh, admin says, doing all the things. I'm doing all the things, Paul. After doing all the things that make the day special, to have someone then or everyone then skip the feast would have been a grave insult. 
especially in ancient Israel, it would have been, listen, a total disregard and dismissal of the sacrifice of the host. Problem one. Problem two, and this is where Jesus' parable story really packs a punch. By this point in Jesus' ministry, Luke 14, Jesus is no longer just a man. What do I mean? Well, by this point in his ministry, he's regarded as the long-awaited Messiah. The king, the, the king that the people of Israel have waited for to liberate God's people. And that's a big claim, right? But we have to see that claim for it's there in the context of our passage. And so holding that thought, let me ask you, can you tell me what metaphor was used again and again and again in the Old Testament to describe the coming of the Messiah. Ready for it, friends? A feast. A banquet. Isaiah 25, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, the finest of wines, on the mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Again, throughout the Old Testament, the prophets used a feast to paint the picture of the coming Messiah, how he would address all of our desires and needs. Now bridge that understanding of the Old Testament to the New Testament in our passage today. In our passage, Luke 14, Jesus is ultimately saying to the Pharisees through parable form, friends, don't miss it. Don't miss it. I am the Lord of the feast. If anyone should recognize this, it should be you, you who know the scriptures, you who know the prophecies of old. But guess what? You're in danger. Why are you in danger? Because you're in danger of missing me. And therein lies the heavenly meaning, the deeper thing we're meant to see in this parable. One fellowship, do you see it? There's such a clear and compelling challenge here in the first half of our parable. Bringing this into our lives, the challenge is really twofold. First, on the surface, Jesus is indicating we can become so consumed with good things that we don't prioritize the greatest thing. We can become so consumed with good things that we don't prioritize the greatest thing. That is a relationship with him in an ongoing celebratory relationship with his family, God's people, the church, thus the feast. According to Jesus, a distracted life is a dangerous life. And second, in terms of challenge, and this one really digs deep, Jesus is indicating it's possible to know God's word, know the scriptures, having grown up in God's family and even responded in some way to a general invitation and have no faith at all. And that one 
should really hit home. It's possible to know the scriptures, God's word, having grown up in and around the church, seen the invitation, had some kind of response, and simply have no faith at all and miss Jesus completely. That's what we see from these religious leaders from the outside. Yes, they, they look the part, they're all in. But really, they're all about themselves. They're all about their own agendas and distractions, and they fail to recognize Jesus as Lord of the feast, the Messiah. So point one, above all else, prioritize this invitation of Jesus. Point two, and prepare to let the outcast in. Another story from our day. Have any of you heard about turf? I don't mean turf in a backyard or a putting green or a football field. I mean turf, the former mascot of the Seattle Seahawks. Do we have any dog people in here? Give me a raise of a hand. Yes. Allow me to show you a video. Enjoy. Do we have turf in the building right here? Isn't that an amazing video? I've been sitting on that video for about a year, waiting to share it. You see, Turf was the quote-unquote wildlife manager at the Seahawks training facility for a number of years in Renton, Washington. In the first service, I asked, is anyone here from Washington? I had a man in the front over here scream, jump up. So it was a little awkward. But do we have anyone from Washington here in the second service? You can scream. No? Oh, praise God. Anyway, Turf's job for the Seahawks was to patrol the practice fields for the Seahawks to make sure the birds and wildlife didn't, you know, do their business on the fields. However, in early 2022, it was discovered that Turf had cancer, leading to the amputation of one of his legs. Still, despite the amputation and the rounds of chemotherapy, Turf continued to be an honored member of the team. In fact, in the video we just watched, Coach Carroll of the Seahawks had just welcomed Turf back to the team post-surgery in the fall of 2022. And as I watched it, I just loved it. Turf was part of the team. So the servant came back and reported these things to his master, our passage continues. Then in anger, the master of the house told his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the blind, and the lame. Master, the servant said, what you ordered has been done. There's still room. Then the master told the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and make them come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, not one of those people who were invited will enjoy the banquet. Fun fact, I don't know if you know this, but more than any other gospel, Luke shares more scenes or references to meals and feasting than the other guys, than the other gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Luke 5, 
Levi hosts a banquet for Jesus where the religious leaders complain about him eating with tax collectors and sinners. Luke 7, Jesus eats at Simon the Pharisee's house where a sinful woman comes in, wets his feet with her tears and then perfume. Luke 9, he does what? Feeds the crowd of 5,000 plus with five loaves, two fish, showing his generosity and care. Luke 11, he eats at the home of another Pharisee, enduring more criticism. Luke 22, he eats what's known as the Last Supper with his disciples, teaching them about servant leadership and the tough things to come. Luke 24, he then breaks bread with two of the disciples in Emmaus, post-resurrection, to show, yes, that he had, in fact, conquered the grave. And again, Luke 24, Jesus then shares some fish and chips with his friends. I made up the chips part. <laughs> but he shares some fish with his friends in Luke 24, his disciples demonstrating that his resurrection was both bodily and spiritual. Thus, friends, Luke's gospel could aptly be called the gospel of feasts. The gospel of feasts because of all the feast references around Jesus. However, it's not just that Jesus loved to feast with people that we need to see. No, listen, it's that Jesus loves to feast and keeps calling the wrong kind of people to share in his table that we're meant to see. The sinners, the tax collectors, the losers, that's who Jesus dined with. The lame, the sick, the blind, the addict, that's who he broke bread with. The outcast, the misfit, the maimed, yes, that girl with the checkered past, that boy with the short fuse, that family from the wrong side of the tracks, that people with a different color skin. These are the people Jesus cared about. Come to my ba banquet, he said. Feast at my table. Go out, we read, into the highways and hedges, far outside of the city. Make them come in so that my house may be filled. Do you see it, One Fellowship? The heart of Jesus is scandalous, merciful, beautiful, and redemptive beyond our wildest dreams and imaginations. Come to my table, Jesus shares, whoever you are, wherever you've been, all your longings and hurts, whatever you've done, come to my table. And this is good news for every single person here today because we all walk in with something. Having done things that we would never want to be brought into the light. Jesus says, come to my table. Thus, this morning, if you're humble and hungry and longing for more, friends, Jesus invites you to come to him right here and right now. Today, come right as you are, enjoying the stream of misfits who've come before you. Starting with this invitation, Luke 14. Furthermore, church, those who are members here at One Fellowship, may today's parable be a reminder that a healthy church, a holy church, a church who sees and honors Jesus as the Messiah King, will look around, will look, excuse me, will look like and smell like and sound like and struggle with things that we might ourselves not struggle with. It's gonna be a diverse, kind of wacky group of people. And guess what? That's okay. It's okay. Sheep stink, including me sometimes. Let's not forget God's ultimate plan for his beloved family is found in Revelation 7. Listen to this. Imagine this. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, 
people in language standing before the throne and before the lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they crowd out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Thus point two, prepare to let the outcasts, the strangers, the losers, the misfit in. And yes, Frank, Dave, Helen, Marie, that includes you and that includes me, amen? Prepare to let the outcasts in. As we close this message, one more story. This comes from the late pastor Warren Wearsby of Moody Church in Chicago. He writes, Hudson Taylor, the famed missionary to China in the 19th century, over 50 years invested in China, was once scheduled to speak at a large Presbyterian church in Melbourne, Australia. The moderator of the service introduced the missionary in eloquent and glowing terms. He told the large congregation all that Taylor had accomplished in China and then presented him as, quote, our illustrious guest. Our illustrious guest. Taylor then stood quietly for a moment, looked at the crowd, and then opened his message by saying, dear friends, I am the little servant of an illustrious master. I love that. I am but a little servant of an illustrious master. In light of today's parable, if we truly understand Jesus and embrace him as our Messiah and King, we might leave today saying something similar like, I am the little servant and guest of the illustrious master, Jesus, the Lord of the feast. I am the little servant and guest of the illustrious master, Jesus, Lord of the feast. Friends, above all else, prioritize the invitation of Jesus and prepare to let the outcast in. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this parable, the clarity of this parable, the invitation offered here. Would you search us and know us all of our anxious, even offensive ways and call us back to yourself. Yes, yes, we want to come to the feast. We want to honor Jesus for who he really is, the Lord of the feast. Thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you. May we walk out of this place today forever changed, knowing that we are your cherished guests, whoever we are. More than that, we're your sons and daughters and we're secure forever. And may we, uh, may we prioritize coming to the feast, celebrating not just your love, but the love of one another, this family you've gifted to us. We pray this for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.